Hello and welcome to the Deeper Eye podcast. I am Lara Ferris, your host. For many years, I have been passionate about self-improvement. Through this, I have met the best specialists in their field who have given me tools and the courage to pursue a new path. The purpose of this podcast is to share with you everything I have learned through the conversations I have had with these amazing people. I hope these conversations will impact your life as they did to mine. Today, I will be joined by Rabia Ilahi. Rabia has a master's degree in psychology with a specialization in marriage and family therapy. I've asked Rabia to join me today to talk about relationships, the mysteries behind why are we attracted to certain type of people and why sometimes this attraction fails to continue as we had planned till death part us. I look forward to my conversation and asking questions to Mrs. Rabia Ilahi, and I hope you will enjoy the conversation. Hi, Rabia, and thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to this conversation with you, not only because I'm happy to see you again and speak with you, but also because this conversation we're having is undoubtedly now a topic that a lot of people are struggling with. So welcome to Ascend Podcast, Rabia. Thank you, Lara. It's Very nice to see you again. Thank you so much for being here. So because we have around 30 minutes, I'm going to start straight with what really is my most important question for you is, what do you think make us be attracted to certain people when we decide that we met the one and we decide to commit in a relationship. I've always been a bit puzzled and I've heard many versions of what could be the reason. One of them, I think we discussed you and I in a private conversation when Greg Braden was talking about the Essenes philosophy, that we are attracted uh, by partners that have or seem to have what we are lacking or not owning in ourselves and in our character and personality. Yeah, if we can start by just talking about Why are we attracted by the person we choose to live for life with? For life. (laughs) It's that for life thing, you know? So a couple of different reasons. I think Greg Braden is correct in saying that we are attracted to people who have and don't have our good points and bad points. So it's, it's not just they're the shadow of us or parts of us we're not willing to own. They can also be the part of us that is beautiful, that we we want, we aspire to not knowing that oh. we already have that. Oh, yeah, I see. If that makes sense. Yeah, so basically we we still don't own it, but we see it in a partner. Yes. So it can be good, like what we would call like the golden shadow mm-hmm. and the dark shadow. Yeah. Each. I like and this word, the golden shadow. I, golden I don't shadow. think I've heard it, you know, because we tend to see the shadow as always a negative uh, mm-hmm. 
word. It's nice to see it as golden. There's also in different cultures, different things make us believe that we're attracted. It's not just physical things, but, you know, in some cultures you're attracted or you make yourself attracted to someone that maybe is of a certain profession or color or economic level, uh, family. There are all these other pieces that go in it. But the main thing is that dark and golden shadow. Yeah. So once we we have that, you know, we're attracted to this one, the one and only, and we say, oh, this is the one, this is the one. And generally it leads to marriage or serious union, let's say, if it's reciprocal, recipro- how do you say the word in English? Reciprocated. Yes, reciprocated. So once you get that, you, you live kind of a honeymoon period, right? And Correct. I don't know if it's the same in America, but I had a little look before we had our conversation. And it seems in England, uh, one couple on every, like two couple, one of them ends up uh, divorcing, which is incredible. Like I was really shocked to see uh, the high level of divorces in a country like the UK. What do you think makes or breaks a couple, especially within the new guidelines, if I may say, of Hmm. what makes or breaks a relationship? What I have seen that there's always infidelity, right? Infidelity makes up about half um, of the financial issues of the reasons. And then you have financial reasons. And, um, but it boils down to respect for the other person, whether or not it's there, or we're willing to be respectful. And somehow over time, the culture has gotten away from what is respect for self and other. That's to me is like at the heart of it. There are other things like now that women can work outside the home and earn, they're more free to leave without worrying about not being able to survive. There are like some social issues in that way, but on a very personal level, it's about respect. In a way, I think, I mean, I don't want to go too much out of subject, but in a way it's so much healthier that the women, most of women anyway, are now not uh, forced to stay in a marriage because they can easily do uh, their own living and be their own breadwinner. Uh, It's so much healthier. I mean, I know I'm from a generation where this was especially, not just my generation, but especially the culture I come from. It was the start, I think. My generation was the, the beginning of women not being willing to stop working or stop their career when they get married. And it certainly now grew so much more since. I mean, I see that there is very, very few people, the generation of my children who are in Mm. their 20s, whether they're from the Lebanon or any Middle Eastern country, they wouldn't leave their career for any relationship. I don't think they, they would anyway. But uh, so that's the healthy part. And the respect, as you brilliantly said, it's all a question also of culture. Like 
in different culture and, and tradition and uh, belief, the word respect, the word love, the meaning of these two words yes. have such a different meaning to, to what I grew up, you know, here in, the, in France and in the UK to, to understand the meaning of these two words. And that brings me actually to my next question to you is we kind of tend to, anyway, I'm, I only can speak for me and people who talk to me about this. I have many people with which I have this conversation. They all seem to, to say we got married taking completely for granted what to expect from marriage and from each other because we only look at what parents, our parents, people before us have done and lived. And then we don't go into too much details anymore with their lives. So we end up facing this wall of, it's not at all what I expected. And my expectations have not been met. We haven't talked enough about what we expect from each other. We haven't talked enough of what's the definition of love to you? What's the definition of respect to you? How do you think this could yes. be resolved without yes. forcing people to go into deeper, into a knowledge and, and the awareness of what to expect from each other? I think we have to speak more realistically about marriage and relationships that they're not easy they do require effort and no one person can meet all of anyone's needs. You know, parent, child, sibling, best friends, any of that. And so we've romanticized marriage to be this thing that fixes everything. And who you are at 22, 23, that may not be who you are at 40. Mm -hmm. or before kids versus after kids, you know? If there's illness, loss of job, like there's so many things that happen in life. But to start with, we don't have realistic conversations of what a marriage looks like. They don't teach us in school, finances, holidays, all of the little details that are day-to-day -day and seem trivial, but it's the little things that often break a marriage. And you know, some people turn into religion to, uh, they count into the, the yes. you know, the church or priest, or I don't know, in, in, in every religion, there is uh, the guideline. And yes, I don't know if I, I'm going to take my courage here and just say it as I feel it. There is a lot of what they teach you that whether it's from your religion advice or, or people who you've been raised by or the example, for example, your parents, they talk about compromising a lot. We have to compromise to live a good marriage mm. and a durable marriage. I don't know, Rabia, if I'm not, I, I really searched a lot the difference between compromising and sacrificing. I, I, I'm not really getting the difference. All I can tell you is from experience and from, again, from people around me and my own, I always feel that compromises tend to lead to sacrificing and tend to lead to resentfulness. 
And then you end up always being the one that you either are considered as being, oh, uh, you know, she's used to do this or he's used to do this. And each couple is different. It's not always maybe the woman. I don't, I don't know. I mean, you, you have seen it all, I have to say, with probably all the couples you see. But how do you avoid and how do you avoid being in sacrifice and re- being resentful towards your partner? The wording compromise can mean one thing and sacrifice. First of all, um, in the way religion traditionally goes, it is geared to it's male oriented and it is often the woman who's expected to make the compromises or sacrifices. Even now, do you feel even nowadays? You know, we saw it during the pandemic, how many women left the workforce because kids weren't in school. And so it still falls, even though it's better, it still falls primarily on the woman in most cases. There are always exceptions, you know, and because so many people don't live in collective systems anymore, like you live with your grandmother and your aunts and uncles and cousins. And so there are many people that can share the workload. Um, It's not, uh, there's still, I think, an unrealistic expectation that is put on women to compromise. So it does lead to more resentment. And in marriages that I have seen, the woman often emotionally leaves a marriage well before she actually physically will leave a marriage. Yes, yes, I know what you mean. So she's like, they check out. They check out because the resentment builds. And if there's not good communication or if the partner isn't, open to compromising. Yeah. Uh, it may be that conversations are not met with any kind of change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so eventually one person shuts up and shuts off. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting at the beginning of the conversation, you mentioned that adultery is one of the main reasons why um, mm-hmm. a couple would come to an end. I don't know, in all these years of dealing with couples, do you believe personally, like in all your studies you've done, is it is it normal to commit to one other human being for all your life? especially when you get married so young, like some people are still getting married in their 20s. Yeah, it's normal. I don't know, that's tough to say, right? Because we're talking biology and evolution and all of that stuff. Yeah. I think we live so much longer. Yeah. So to partner for life and life goes to 40 is very different than to partner for life and life goes to 80. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's a lot more time spent. Yeah. Um, And so I think it's important to understand Mm -hmm. your nature. Yeah. The other person's nature, expectations, 
you know, um, what is a fulfilling relationship and what isn't fulfilling? Do we have other relationships like friendships and family that also meet some needs because one person meeting all of our needs is completely unrealistic. Yeah, completely. And it sets us up for failure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, um, so I wish there were an easy answer, Lara. Um, but getting married young nowadays, even in 20s, which is not considered that young in many parts of the world, that's a long time yeah. to spend with one person without like uh, growing together, discussing over time, because a young marriage is different than a marriage with kids, yeah, with older course. kids. Like it just, the, the span of time now is so much longer. So much longer and also our awareness is starting to yes. be so different like we are today much more aware of whether we are aligned with our authenticity our true person because yeah. the, i'm talking about awareness because when we we raise children we are very much aware of not being able to tell them to do something that you're not embodying yourself Correct. So if they uh, they observe you, like you know, they observe you telling them, uh, be truthful to your uh, feelings. We are clearly more and more realizing that we live in a society and a bubble that is not really functioning. It's not functioning. Correct. Something's wrong, and uh, we try to guide them. Like our understanding is because we try too much to suppress who we truly are to fit in with the society with yes. what is asked of us is not really sustainable. So you can't tell them this and then act the opposite. And on another hand, Rabia, I find it always, it comes back in conversation about in a couple, of course, you don't always agree on something. So there is undoubtedly lots of confrontations in a couple. Like I agree with this, I want this, and the other one doesn't. What is the best way to have an honest and respectful conversation with your partner? Um, I just would like you to guide me a little bit there. Yes. So definitely not during an argument mm -hmm. or during a time of high stress, because physiologically, the brain cannot process information on a logical level. Oh, yeah, yeah. When it is in fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And so when big stressors are happening or when you're in an argument, that's not the time yeah. to state to the other person what hurts, what doesn't hurt, what needs to change, or our grievances. But usually, because many of us don't have practices outside of, you know, people will work out physically, mm -hmm. but if we're not working out, you know, in doing meditation or yeah. self-reflection and calming ourselves down, we don't, we just fight or we think we're communicating, but we're really fighting Yeah, and no one is hearing each other. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And it's actually the worst time to communicate. And that is when most of us do communicate because we're so charged up, you know? And uh, so being able to calm down, Mm -hmm. maybe have a conversation on a walk (laughs) where you're physically kind of doing something and that kind of helps our, you know, adrenaline and all of that calm down. Yeah. Before we start the conversation. Before we start the conversation. And then also a general rule I tell people is go into the conversation assuming there's no bad intention on your partner's part. Like just assume it's there's no harm intended and that person loves you. And so that at least can start a conversation in a respectful way or what we call soft startup. And it goes back to what we were talking about at the very beginning, Lara, about respect and allowing room for the other person to be human, you know, fallible. I've noticed a lot of time when the conversation leads to a conflict. Yes. An unhealthy conflict. It's very often when people in a couple talk to each other without hearing the other one. Yes. Like we speak, yes. speak, speak. All we have inside without wanting to hear. We only want to be heard. And Correct. I think this is, um, I don't know if there is a trick or a, or a solution to that. Maybe it, it would be, I don't know, to install these habits from the beginning. To come back to our part of the conversation where we said we should talk about our expectation. Yeah. Maybe do a little yeah. agreement. Like when I talk to you, I would like to be heard. I would like to feel that when I'm talking to you, you're considering what I'm saying and you're finding it important even if you don't agree with me. Because if I'm asking you this, that means it really matters to me. I don't know if many couples are able to uh, talk to each other with the big ability of hearing. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Yes, I agree. I think in general, people don't really hear yeah. other people. You know, I'm working with this couple and I saw them last night and they're both very different. Mm-hmm. The husband wants to solve an issue right away because he can't stand being upset. Yes. The wife doesn't want to talk when she's upset. Mm -hmm. She wants time to herself. So at the beginning, he's chasing after her and she's running away, so to speak. Yeah. So they've over time learned that all she has to say is let's circle back. Yeah. And then when she shows up, it calms him down. So he can kind of sit with the discomfort. Mm -hmm. Because he has a hope that she will talk about it, but just not now. Yeah, I guess. Yes, because in the moment, it's not going to be a productive conversation. Yeah, it's actually very mature of, of her. Yes. And so she also recognizes... And again, this has taken them practice Uh and many, many, many sessions. She'll say, I see you're upset. Can we circle back? (laughs) 
you know, or when she's getting overwhelmed, they use a safe word, you know, like someone will say hippopotamus. Yeah. And that's like, okay, we need to separate, calm down and then come back to the conversation. But if we don't come back, then the other person can't trust. Of course. And so that has to be built up with practice. Yeah. There is another situation where you don't talk about the problem that obviously happened because you felt it. And then you sometimes watch partners just acting as if nothing happened. And then the expectation there is that to move on. And then if you don't move on, it's like, oh my God, you keep talking about this. You, 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 you're sulking. You're... Because as you said, there is this elephant, you know, in the room and I, we ca- I can't move on or you can't move on before we addressed it and talked about it. And that also comes back to our point that this should be discussed before we, we commit, before, uh, you know, we are... Uh, committing for life, which is uh, absolutely incredible. And you know, the interesting part now you talk about this couple therapy, what I love about what you do, uh, Rabia, and I honestly wish I had the the power to not allow any marriage to happen before they went to couple therapy before. (laughs) It's like I would take it like going to the, I don't know, to the hygienist, you know, before you you, you can realize your teeth are healthy, clean. I, I just feel it. It's so useful because we also deal with our own past and our own luggage. We come to this partnership full of luggage that we didn't necessarily observe or being aware with. For example, to come back to this brilliant example of the couple you're seeing at the moment, Mm. he likes to talk about something straight away. She doesn't. This is clearly because of some events that happen in their in their life, I was going to say previous life. What I meant is pre-wedding. Yes. She she got used to maybe uh, wait because uh, every time she would talk about a conversation with her parents, maybe she regretted it or got didn't get what she wanted. And he was the opposite. So I think talking about things like that brings the light on why we are so different and not only why, but it's okay to be different. We don't have to be in the conflict just because we see things differently. Absolutely. And your views also on being so different, you know, if I am the way I am is because of my belief and my story. You are the way you are because of your belief and your story. How can you expect me to act and respond to life from your belief and your story. I just can't, right? It's. Uh, do you think it's doable to explain this to a couple? Like, will they be willing to both of them listen? I think so, because that's what you're talking about, Lara, is empathy, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and understanding. And that takes lots of conversation. It often can be guided conversation. So, you know, some, I know the Catholic church does premarital counseling in the church and there are other religious things that, that happen like that. 
but it's very complex to understand all of what makes us who we are and then to also understand that our partner is who he or she is yeah. because of all of the stuff that's happened absolutely and it's language culture socioeconomic status mm-hmm. it's race it's religion like there's so many things and if we just understood that oh i may be behaving in a way that that other person has no idea you know that what i mean by this so maybe i'm not defensive when my partner points something out yeah you know or maybe i can point something out without attacking or judging that person mm-hmm. because he or she is also complex like me absolutely you know we're all just complex and simple in that we want to be heard we want respect and we want to feel loved so those are like the simple things but the way we humans go about it is complex totally some people also have difficulties moving away from certain traditions and yes. you know maybe they could admit that it's not really working or not fair but this is my tradition this is how yes. and i think yeah. this is sometime in couples could be a problem one could be totally willing to accept this awareness of this tradition not being sustainable or working and we want to respond to things in a different way and the other decides not to and i know we are reaching the the end of this podcast i just would like your view very briefly um i heard you know i don't know if it's a source that is just going to make this happen but we might be seeing in the future marriages uh, in contracts of 5 or 10 years instead of yeah. you know being committed to life so that it will become more and more normal to after 5 years decide not to renew and it's not a failure like you don't you don't have to see it as you failed that's it we came to term with uh, you know what we we committed to do and now we move on do you think that would work better and and also my second part of the question w- would it be easier on the children if that became a normal thing to do so it depends on the ages of the kids i'll just start with that yeah. because at younger ages they really need stability they need to know that the home is going to be the home you know and when you say small like what's the cutting you know points so for boys we have to wait until they're a little older uh-huh. like 16 17 or much much younger oh, 5 6 7 yeah. you know because i think in theory we should every so often revisit what attracts us what's working what isn't working and how to make things better. So that's a good way just to run life, right? Because it could go for your career, it could go for even a friendship circle. Like, ah, uh, this isn't working for me anymore. 
what what's good and what isn't kind of thing in marriage because marriage is legal and it's such an institution and the term husband the term wife they have so many meanings yeah you know i think it's a tougher sell yeah. um i do wish that there like it would be more normal to circle back and look at things yeah yeah <laughs> but we're so insecure as humans and still for women we are sort of programmed to believe in our worth as being more if we're partnered the, the, yeah. than if we're not mm-hmm. definitely uh, and so there there are these other things in an ideal world it would be great if we could reevaluate and let go of what isn't working and keep what is and maybe grow whether it's with the same person or with someone else who knows but legally and with kids economically there are all these other factors that make it more complex yeah and for the kids like you said boys it has to be 16 is it because of they they are uh, longer to they take longer to mature or yes i mean look if it's a peaceful thing it's fine but what if one person wants to not sign the contract and the other person does so then we get into the conflict of you know two people having two different experiences yeah and when it's high conflict then for a high conflict divorce or separation for boys they're more affected in their adolescent years and i'm not exactly sure why i i do think it's brain development mm-hmm. and boys are less likely to have the social network although not so much anymore than girls you know girls talk they have each other yes. they they just are we have more resources as females because we talk to each yeah, other we have eased and that's such an ease in talking about yes. uh, i absolutely feel that for example with the you know when i'm even with my daughters you know it's easier mm-hmm. to talk about yeah. the topic than uh, it it happens with the boys my boys as well but it just takes a bit longer yes and traditionally i mean if we're looking at the kids often end up staying with the mother and so then you get into role model issues how is the father in his relationships with the boys the, the role model is the father for boys in general yeah in general yes yeah so i you know uh, i wish there there was an easy way of guiding anyone but i think what you said a little while ago about talking having these very important conversations if you can have it with the therapist great yeah premarital if you can't afford that then you know there are books yeah there are youtube classes one can take you know there there's much more information available now maybe the curve is going to adjust a bit because now with the access to youtube and uh, i don't know all these platforms uh, even these podcasts 
It's amazing. Yeah. Maybe it, we're heading towards a period where this 50% of divorces is going to go all the way down to hopefully 40, 30, 20, and uh, who knows. Or, or there will be a change of the way we do marriage, you know. Yes. So, yeah. uh, I think the model may need to change. Yes. Definitely. Whatever's happening now or has been happening for 50 years is not working. Not working. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Thank you so much, Rabia. I really enjoyed talking to you about all of this. And I truly hope that you'll join me again very soon. uh, I would love to. And it was so good to be with you. Take good care of yourself. And thank Thank you you for all the work you do. Thank you you so much. I appreciate it. Bye. 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 Thank you very much for joining me for this conversation with Rabia Ilahi. I really hope you found it interesting and it could help you. If you find it interesting and you think anybody around you could benefit from this conversation, please forward this podcast to them. Let them know about Ascent Podcast. And if you want to rate this conversation and leave a comment, it will help my podcast to be heard by many more people. If you want to know more about Rabia, you can find more information about this amazing lady on dharmawellness.org. This is D H A R M A wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S dot org. Hope to see you very soon. Thank you very much.